I have a logistics question. How was it that you were able to bring a pit bull onto an airplane? I had a letter from a doctor that she was an emotional Mm. support animal. And she was so unbelievably behaved. A lot of people didn't even know she was on the plane. She was 80 pounds. Wow. Wow. And the pilots and all the staff knew her. And she would go into the cockpit and all the pilots would be like, Angel, it was really amazing. It was pretty cool. I did and still do have extreme anxiety and fear flying on airplanes, but I still travel and not having her, you know, wine is what I do now. Turn your speakers up to 11 because it's time for Too Much Effing Perspective, the podcast that asks musicians and entertainers to relive their most spinal tap moments when nothing goes right and everything gets weird. I'm your host, Alan Keller, comedy writer in LA and former lead singer of the least heralded Chicago band, The Falling Walendas. And I'm your co-host, Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead and former lead singer of the least heralded Milwaukee band, The Vainglorious. Our guest today has been on Will and Grace, Two Broke Girls, and The King of Queens, comedian Rebecca Corey. We talked to Rebecca about auditioning for Mad TV with Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, the time her beloved pit bull angel took a dump on the lawn of the U.S. Capitol, and what it was like to get hit on by both Arnold and Willis from different strokes. So without further ado, let's go to the TME. Show. It really puts perspective on things, though, doesn't it? Not really? too much. There's too yeah, much that's... fucking perspective now. As you know, Alex, I love dogs. I know that. In fact, I have two on my bed in my studio right now watching me record <laughs> and giving me notes. <laughs> uh, but just before COVID plagued the world, my family was hit by a plague of dogs. I remember. So we had two dogs, Ginger and Max. Then my daughter, Gidget, discovered Millie at a pet store. And I said, absolutely not. Until I met Millie, who I instantly fell in love with. Then, if that weren't enough, (laughs) we found a stray biscuit at a balloon store. Long story. And we took her in, too. Our intent was to foster her. But, of course, we never found anyone to take her and. We didn't look that hard anyways. And uh, suddenly we had as many dogs as humans in the house. And really two dogs Mm -hmm. are hard enough to walk, but four, it's like running an Iditarod every day. Yeah, that is a lot of dogs. Fortunately and unfortunately, the two oldest, Ginger and Max, perished over quarantine. And that got us back down to a more manageable two. But, you know, dogs add so much to your life. You didn't believe me for a lot of years, Alex, but- I think your twins got you on the dog map, right? Well, it was a conspiracy of my twins and my wife. They started talking about it years ago and lobbied hard and even negotiated a deal with me. At one point when the girls were maybe 10, I was given this ultimatum. The girls are either going to get their ears pierced or we're going to get a dog. You decide. And I said, well, get their ears pierced, of course. <laughs> I just figured we could nip that in the bud right there. And um, they were shocked that I went for the bodily mutilation instead of the canine, but I thought I'd scored a big win. But sure enough, as these things happen in families, they got their ears pierced, and then it wasn't too long before the dog lobby 
hit me again. So yeah, we now have a six pound long haired Chihuahua called Biggie Smalls. And Biggie has woven his way into the fabric of our family. He's got a huge personality and breaking news here on Too Much Effing Perspective. I love that dog. Aww. Although I won't admit it to my family. Will you let that dog get white hairs on your black slacks? Because I remember that was a big deal back in the day. Uh, I don't let him do it. It just happens. But <laughs> I basically die for the lint roller. Oh, I gave up on the lint roller years ago. Well, anyways, our <laughs> guest today, Rebecca Corey, has taken her love of dogs, specifically pit bulls, to new heights. She started a very successful advocacy group, Stand Up for Pits Foundation, that puts on comedy events all over the nation to raise money and awareness for a breed that has gotten an effing bad rap. And, you know, it's great. It has a lot of support in the entertainment community. In fact, she did a Stand Up for Pits comedy special, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime and stars really an amazing group. It's the late, great Bob Saget, Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory, and Kristen Davis from Sex and the City, along with Rebecca. It's really funny, and even better, it's for a very good cause. And speaking of good causes, why don't you follow us on Instagram and X at TMEP Show? That's TMEP Show. We'd really appreciate it. So let's get to our talk with Rebecca about her amazing stand-up career and everything else she's done. But first, a short break. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh revisiting classic material talking about the new classics um all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. And now a comedian who was a finalist on the NBC show Last Comic Standing, Rebecca Corey. Rebecca, this is a pleasure. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We want to start out with the question that we ask all our guests. What is your favorite moment in the movie? This is Spinal Tap. When they can't find the stage, you know? <laughs> yes. Have you ever experienced that yourself at comedy clubs or in larger venues? Yes, I have. Oh, you have. So spill it. Yeah. Tell us the story. Um. Well, there's so many. First of all, backstage areas are notoriously gross. I'm pretty sure if you took a blue light, 
and checked them out, you'd probably find <laughs> some things that might be criminal evidence. They're just gross and cold and confusing and glow tape. It doesn't work when it's been walked on 10,000 times. So the arrows to where to go, you know, and the last thing you really want to do is touch a curtain mm. and you're kind of forced to do that. And yeah, there's been many stages where I had no idea where the green room is when I'm in the green room, how to get out of the green room, how to get to the stage from the green room, <laughs> locked myself out of the green room in the green room. It's been a lot. There's been a lot. Have you ever stepped off a stage into the blackness? I haven't done that, but I love watching those videos. <laughs> There's this one of a prince impersonator. He's in the middle of singing Purple Rain and he falls off. I've watched it about 17,000 times. And I, I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want it to happen to me. But if I did, I think I would laugh, even if it hurt. So, Rebecca, you're a noted animal rights activist for Stand Up for Pitts Foundation. And you had a beloved dog, Angel. Can you tell us a story about Angel, a Spinal Tap moment you shared with your girl? I think one of my very favorite moments, oh my God, there's so many, but I organized a march on Washington and it took me a full year to do it. It was excruciating and punishing and hard and all those things. And we get there finally on the day and you don't know how many people are going to show up. It could be 20 people. It could be none. And it ended up being 5,000. And we wow. found out as I walked out of the hotel room, just as far as you could see, it's just a sea of people. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Start marching and everyone is screaming and, you know, we're heading toward the Capitol because we're going to rally on the West Lawn of the Capitol. And there's thousands of people behind us and everyone's wearing these t-shirts that I created for the March and all this. And Everyone is there together. Wait, was this, are you talking about January 6th? Oh, this <laughs> was on May 2004. All right. I just, no, no. And um, we get to the West Lawn and out of nowhere, she just stops and everyone just stops and she takes the biggest shit. <laughs> just Perfect. a massive dump on the West Lawn. And while she's doing it, everyone, <laughs> everyone's just watching, like just, staring intently to make sure everything goes well but the best part was out of nowhere some guy uh he's holding a banner he just lifts up his hand and he's got a poop bag on it and he goes i got it <laughs> and he comes running up and he scoops up the poop and then everyone just was like was this crazy yelling and then we all just started marching that was <laughs> so epic you know what would have been more epic though like when my dogs when they poop in front of people and i feel bad for them i pull down my pants and I do it too, just to Good make for you. So if everybody just would have with her, that's what you're saying would have made it better. Yeah. If after she did her business, if everyone dropped trow and did the same, <laughs> I thought that would have been really polite. You arrived in Chicago at about age 18, right? Yeah. I was like 18 or 19. Yeah. That's amazing. So you came from Kent, Washington, which when I looked up on the map, I thought it was going to be like in the Cascades somewhere, you know, some logging town. It's actually right at the SeaTac airport. I mean, it's pretty urban, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's sir, I like to call it the anus of the universe. You know, it's 45 minutes south of Seattle. It's a place where people brush their tooth kind of thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think Gary, Indiana already has that claim. So not sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been to both, but yeah. I think Kent will give anyone a run for their money in terms of the smell of hot dog water and El Camino. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you arrived in Chicago, you were age 18, 19, and then you said you were there for 10 years and then you went to LA, right? Yeah. What was that like? Well, you know, you live the life in Chicago of like studying and, you know, learning and trying to really work on your craft. And then I did the Jenny Jones show and I wasn't a stand-up comedian, but when you're doing audience warm-up, it's a really weird job. It's it's actually awful. But when you're doing audience warm-up and you're left out there to vamp in front of an audience for sometimes I'd be on stage for three hours in a day. Oh, wow. You would do multiple shows in one day. Oh. It's really hard to do. And so I started slowly by force kind of became a comic. I never really watched stand-up or anything. And the only stand-up that I ever related to or loved was I liked John Leguizamo. I liked George Carlin. I, I really liked storytellers, you know, Martin Lawrence's early comedy was always funny to me too. Eddie Murphy's was really funny to me because I just felt like I was listening to stories. And so I just started telling stories kind of at Jenny Jones and, you know, carving out little things I knew could keep the audience attention. Well, tell us about a Spinal Tap moment at Jenny Jones. There must've been many. There's a lot. I mean, I well, first of all, I got hired at Jenny Jones right after the murders. Do you remember the murder? Mm -mm. No. You do not remember the murder? Which one? Tell us the story. I've got a murders in my memory. Which murder? <laughs> it's the one where the guy from Michigan, he was on stage and then he had a surprise crush. The guy who came out was his like best friend and he felt embarrassed on national TV. So he murdered him. Oh, you don't remember that? Wow. Holy moly, guys. That's a tough one. So it was like kind of tricky. Every time we had a crush show, I was always like, mm, <laughs> this feels uncomfortable. Um, so one time we had Gary Coleman was a guest on the show and I was <laughs> backstage and he came up to me and was like hitting on me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I'm four foot 11. I swear to God, we were eye to eye, or maybe I was looking down. I don't know. Perfect. But it was a tough call. That was a very surreal moment. Weren't you going out with uh, Emmanuel Lewis at the time? <laughs> 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 oh, wait, I have a follow up to the other story. Cut to six years later, some years later, I'm at this other stand up show. Guess who hits on me there? One of the guys that got murdered on the Jenny Jones show. No, <laughs> Isaac Gary Coleman. Um, Todd Bridges. Yes, sir. Oh, get out of here. How many people in their life can say that they've been hit on by Todd Bridges and Gary Coleman? Dana Plato could probably say that. <laughs> you and Dana. Yeah, Dana Plato and Conrad Bain both hit on me. So we got the whole show covered. Yeah. Are you serious? No. No. Dana Plato is deceased. She is. Well, I love Todd Bridges' biography, Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> it's an awesome book about him. <laughs> so I met the executive producer of Mad TV. David Salzman, and he came up to me one time and said, you know, you're really funny. If you ever move to LA, I would love for you to audition for this show called Mad TV that I'm doing. And I said, okay, I don't know if I'm moving, but I might. And I finally did. And 
When I got to LA, I called him and I went in and auditioned for Mad TV probably five years in a row <laughs> and never got it. I would always get to like the producers, you know, the final one, but never book it. I remember one time it was sitting in the waiting room with Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Oh wow. my God. Yeah. Awesome. None of us got it. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's a pretty killer threesome. Yeah. No, they went on to do very well. Yeah, they did. I've, I've they did. Yes. Right. They're yeah. fine. They're fine. Yeah, They're yeah. actually geniuses. I love them both so much. But yeah, it was always frustrating. But the casting director and the executive producer always fought for me. But the other people were like, no. Well, it's like becoming an astronaut, Formula One driver, or getting on Mad TV. It's like TV, many yeah. called, few are chosen. <laughs> One of my really good friends is Mo Collins, and she was on Mad TV, and she's hilarious. I've shot several things with Mo. When I came here, I started shooting stuff, and my goal was to get Mo in stuff, and Mo agreed every time. She was absolutely fantastic. She is not only one of the most talented, but she's like a gem of a human being. Yeah. And she's brilliant. I mean, she is fucking brilliant. hysterically funny at broad characters. And I shot something with Jill Talley and my old writing partner, Keegan-Michael Key. And Mo was the reaction character in my short. And she was fantastic. She's a great actress. Yeah. She's a great yeah. Actress. She is. She's so good at characters. Like, talk about being committed. She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. What was the name of that short, Alan? Sucker for Shelly. You can see it on YouTube. I don't think I've even seen that. Oh my God, it's pretty incorrect, but it's funny. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. 
Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. I want to go back to your animal rights stuff because one of my favorite Spinal Tap stories of my own has to do with an animal rights event. Oh my God, please tell me it's a good story. Can't be a bad one. It's a great story. So I was really good friends with, for a while, Laura Keitlinger. You probably know Laura because you've been on Two Broke Girls and Will and Grace, right? I do know her, yeah. And so Laura and I went to this event where she had to do stand-up. It was an event against puppy mills, right? So this is the whole event was against puppy mills. And I was there. How long ago is this? 10 years, maybe. And Laura took me as her guest. And sitting next to me was Bill Burr. And Priscilla Presley is the guest of honor. So at the very end, after all the stuff against puppy mills, Priscilla Presley comes up to give her speech. And she starts out by going, oh, you know, puppies at puppy mills need to be saved too. So I buy a lot of dogs from puppy mills. (laughs) The whole fucking event was against puppy mills. And Priscilla Presley was their biggest advocate. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Yeah, it kills me to this day. Do you remember what the name of the organization was? I don't know what it was. I was just Laura's guest. What did the audience do when she said that? We all just looked at each other like, whoa, that's an unexpected turn. <laughs> did anyone go, we? <laughs> no, nobody left. Nobody left. Because it was really at the very end. I think everyone is absolutely stunned and shocked by what she said was very funny. That's amazing. You produced a really great comedy special for your Pitbull Foundation, starring, among others, the late, great Bob Saget. Oh, did you watch the special? Yes, I did. How do you pronounce Kaylee? Uh, is it Kuko? Sure. Whatever. And Kristen <laughs> Davis, right? Those kind of things are fraught with peril. Did that go off smoothly or were there a couple of Spinal Tap moments in creating that event? Um, There was afterwards. I won't go into it because it enrages me, the behavior of some. Mm. Um, But to be honest with you, that actual event that evening was just magical. It was amazing. Like everything went well. There were no hiccups. No one fell off that stage. And thankfully, good, because it's like nine feet off the ground. It was an enormous amount of work and it took many, many years to get that special on the air. It just got distribution a year ago and that's when the hiccup, some bullshit surrounding it Mm, happened. It It was sickening and pathetic and I get hot faced and a sweat mustache even thinking about it, but it's over. I won't forget. And now it gets to be seen, which I'm really happy about. And I think it turned out pretty good. Can you retell the (laughs) Spinal Tap moment? on the airplane with Angel? Well, a fella got on the plane and he was hot. And so I decided to put out the vibe because, you know, that's that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I might love animals, but, you know, I also like men. So this guy gets on, he smells really good. He's wearing these cargo shorts and he's got thick legs and nice neck and back and arms and hands and big (laughs) fingers and shit, you know, the stuff that ladies like. And um, so I decided to put out a vibe and I'm four foot 11, as I said, so I can stand up in an airplane. So I was like standing up, you know, at the time that's, I think there was sky mall still back in the day. And so I was like, you know, reaching for the sky mall and like, you know, (laughs) doing Kegels, but you get it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, um, he just like did not look at me at all. <laughs> he went like, 
no matter what I did, like I could have lit my bush on fire and he wouldn't have looked at me. <laughs> His name must not have been Moses. And then, well, then I look down and I see that Angel is fully leaning her body on his leg. And then I'm looking at her like, oh my God, like you are a whore. <laughs> You're supposed to be my wingman here. Wow. Then she like gives me kind of the side eye. She knows what I'm saying because we understood each other. And then she just slowly turns her head and just starts really dramatically starts licking his calf. Like real. Oh my. Really? And then he's like petting her, you know, like rubbing her neck and they're like having a moment. <laughs> I was just super bummed and realized that, you know, it was not in the cards for me that his only interest was Angel. And then after the flight, we got to the gate or whatever. I was getting off the plane and we got off first and then he came running up the jetway and he was like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was thinking, okay, you know, you came to your senses. You <laughs> saw what this was and you want to get in there. And um, he asked to take a picture with Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You were the third <laughs> wheel. You were the third wheel. Oh, always, always. When it came to her, always. She was the most amazing dog on the entire planet. She's amazing. She inspired this movement and my organization and all we do and still does. Pretty incredible. It's amazing how one being can really change the trajectory of your life. Because when I moved to LA, I didn't move here to run a charity. I didn't even know what pitbull type dogs were. I had no interest. I didn't go to Second City <laughs> and move to Chicago so that one day I could run a charity. You know, I wanted to do comedy and write, act and produce and do all that stuff. I get to do comedy still, which, you know, I'll, I'll always do. And I love doing, but now I do it to save dogs. You know, I don't trust people who don't like dogs. I'm sure you don't either. Right. Same. And my dear friend, Alex, one of the things against him was like, he'd come over when I had my Jack Russell B and he wouldn't pet B because he didn't want to get dog hair on his black slacks. So, mm -hmm. but now look at him. He's a family man. He's got a dog. He's now someone I can relate to again. See? I'm so proud of him. So in terms of Spinal Tap moments, I guess a club owner once lied about you leaving something. Tampons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, after I had told the truth about a certain human in the industry, right. which was all confirmed by that human and all that, a lot of shit came my way that was unbelievable. We could call it hate, ignorance, whatever. So I bring my charity event to this comedy club, sell it out, jam-packed. And I actually did five venues under the umbrella of this comedy club because hmm. they're a chain, I believe. And um, I packed the house in every city. And Portland was the last one on the oh, nice. docket. So this whole thing happens. And then the next year, I reach out to the owner, real classy fella. And I say, um, so yeah, I'm ready to book next year's dates. What do you got? And he goes, yeah, actually, um, there's two things. My staff said you were hard to work with. And there's another issue. And I was like, okay, well, first, let's talk about how I'm hard to work with. Why am I hard to work with? <laughs> he goes, 
Well, they were just saying that you were like really adamant about all the video cues and the sound cues and stuff being exactly the way that you wanted it. And they thought that you were just kind of really pushy about that. And I go, well, you know what? In fairness, I am because I'm producing a show and people pay money right. to come and see it. And the cues do Crazy. have to be correct. I have videos that roll in and they have to be done right. Right. And he's like, yeah, well, they didn't like the way that you handled it. It's like, oh, okay. Copy that. And also our manager said that he found a whole bunch of used tampons all over the green room. Get out of here. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, yeah. Uh, he said, there's a bunch of used tampons all over the green room. And I said, I, I, I like you brought them with okay. you, you know, it's just like, how would that even you know, physically possible? Right. Yeah. Well, the first thing that came to mind was this man, this grown man, adult does not know how periods work. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Even if I was in the venue for, let's say three hours, max, how many tampons would a, a, a woman use in a three hour period? Two? Maybe three. Let's say you're hemorrhaging. Four? <laughs> Five? Five? Yeah. yeah. And your juggler vein's been cut. You yeah. got to hold one there and then you got some other something else going on. You yeah. cut your finger. You're bleeding of all these, all these, everything. Your ass is bleeding. Your eyes are bleeding. Your nose is bleeding. How many tampons are you going to really use? So when there was tampons all over the green room, I thought, holy cow. Like that would have had to have been a team of women hemorrhaging. And I said, I really can't wrap my head around what you're saying. I said, first of all, that's ludicrous. And I said, can I tell you that for 100% certain that someone didn't have their period during that time, the comics that were in there or guests or even me? I, I don't know. That's a possibility. But to suggest that I would just rip bloody tampons out of my vagina and throw them around a room and then go, hey, good show, good charity event. Wrap it up, guys. If every if anyone else here has their period, just throw your tampon everywhere. <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. And then I wrote an email saying, if I ever find out that you tell other comedians or anyone else that that actually occurred, we're going to have a big problem, bro. Yeah. And then he wrote back and said, and I expect the same. I expect you to not tell anyone that I said that to you too. Well, fuck him. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I never went back there again, and uh, I don't ever anticipate that happening. <laughs> but if I did, I would hope to have the worst period ever. And <laughs> <laughs> listen, you are so in line for a Kotex sponsorship, exactly. And so they, in line. They should donate a ton of money for the pit bulls after that story. <laughs> This has been really fun, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners learn more about your current work, stuff you're doing with the Pitbull charity and, and those kinds of things? Um, they can go to standupforpits.us. We're going to announce our tour probably the end of January, early February for next year. And you know they can always follow us on all of our social media platforms and learn about what we're doing and help dogs and help educate people and support spay and neuter and do all that stuff. It's all important. And what's your social handle? 
Uh, Stand Up for Pitts Foundation is the Instagram. Mm. And then we're on Twitter at, I think, SUFP Foundation. I just want to say it's fantastic to turn your art into advocacy. When we're doing our writing and performing, it sometimes seems so meaningless because it's just for us, right? And it's so great to be able to turn it into something that helps others, especially animals. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's a gift that I was given by that one dog. So it's pretty cool to be able to do it. Fantastic. Well, Rebecca, I'm so glad Mitch Rouse, our mutual friend, introduced us. Me too. And really appreciate you spending your Sunday with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I like how we ended there, listeners. Art and advocacy coming together can be a potent combination for good. And thanks to Rebecca Corey for sharing her stories with us. Too Much Effing Perspective is a Milwaukee Talkies original. Our editor is Gretchen Kilby. Our music composer is J.K. Harrison. Please follow us on Instagram at TMEPshow. Visit our website at TMEPshow.com to sign up for our mailing list and find other episodes featuring rock stars, comedians, and other entertainment luminaries whose bizarro stories we enjoy and we think you will too on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Although it would be as great as having armadillos in our trousers, this podcast is not affiliated with This Is Spinal Tap and no person or entity connected with the film has sponsored or endorsed its content. This podcast is not affiliated, sponsored, or licensed by Authorized Spinal Tap LLC or Century of Progress Productions. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Evergreen Podcast Network.